I want you to go in your Bible tonight for just a few moments. I know we've got a long weekend, so I want to move us. But I want to be obedient to the Lord. Thanks, everybody, for coming and helping get the church back in order Sunday afternoon. Chad said you guys had a great team here, and thanks all of you. I don't know who you were, but thank you for coming and helping and being a part. And remember, uh, this weekend we're going to have a great time starting Friday night, Saturday morning at 10 o'clock. I know that wasn't on our thing. I pulled that the last moment after talking with uh, Brother Steve and Brother Mitch and, and Pastor Val. We got on a, a phone thing together the other day and had a great time for a few moments. And I just felt like it would be so beneficial for us to come together. Those guys are just going to step in. If you've never seen Steve Sampson, you guys know that Steve just flows in the, in the gifts. Pastor Val, you see him all the time. You know how he moves and of course, Mitch is, is really, in a sense, new, but we're growing in him. And I believe that gifting of the prophetic is being stirred more and more as he comes and what he will impart into us. And it's just going to be a great, uh, great weekend in the Lord. So Friday night, uh, Brother Steve will be kicking off. And then Pastor Val at uh, Saturday night, those services are 7 o'clock. We're going to do them at 7 o'clock. And then, of course, Sunday morning at 10, Saturday morning at 10. So come if you can. Listen, I know we got kids. If you've got kids, don't stay home because of kids. I'd bring something for them. If they're too busy, bring them something to do, all right? And let them sit there by you. It won't hurt. I want you to get everything that you can get. I'm just going to tell you right now. If you don't get it, I want your portion. I'm serious. If you don't want it, just say, God, give it to Pastor Zach. Let it load up on him. And I hope I'm so drunk every night they have to pack me out of here. Because you didn't take it. But if you'll take it, we could all be packed out, alright? And just move in the Lord. I want to speak to us tonight. You know, remember what I've been telling you the last few weeks? That we've got to move beyond a good word. Oh, pastor, that was a good word. Or that was a good meeting. We've really got to hear what God is speaking to us. And not only hear it, but we've got to start obeying it and start moving in it. And I believe that we are in a time that we are going to start seeing things like we have never ever started. Notice I'm saying we are starting it now. Not only in here, but everywhere you go. You're going to have to anticipate God working with you every day in everything that you do. Whether it's in the marketplace, whether it's at home, whether, whether, if God sends you on an assignment, I believe some of you are going to be in a spot, all of a sudden you're going to feel, I just feel impressed, i got to go here. And you don't have one clue why you're going there. It's even out of your way. You know, I did that today at lunch. I went to a place I don't normally go. Now, I didn't encounter anything there, but I was looking for it the whole moment I went. It's totally off my radar. I don't normally go, don't even think about it. But I was getting ready to go have me a piece of chicken today. And, 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 and on my way, Brent Dan, you know I like chicken. And I was on my way. And I felt like the Lord was addressing me to go to this place. I was heading to the normal place that I go on Wednesday. But I felt like I needed to go. It, it was down in me. Now, I didn't, like I said, I didn't encounter anything. But maybe the Lord was checking my heart. Would I be obedient just to follow Him? I, I believe you might find yourself, you know, if you shop at Walmart, let's just say groceries, you might get up and the Lord said, I want you to go to Aldi's. Not for the bargain. I got an assignment for you there. You need to start going with the idea, I'm on an assignment, and start looking for it. 
Start expecting an encounter. It may be a bump into somebody in the marketplace or somewhere. It might be a phone call. It might be a phone call. Don't neglect those moments that you feel impressed to pick up the phone and call somebody. They may desperately be needing your help right then. Needing to hear your voice. So don't neglect those things. And the more that we do that, the more that we'll practice and expect, I believe, the more that we see. Paul said it like this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I believe it's about the fifth verse. He said, I come not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but I come in the power and the demonstration of the Holy Ghost. That's verse uh, verse 4, 1 Corinthians 2. He said, I come in the demonstration of the Spirit and power that your faith would be would not be in the wisdom of men, but it would be in the power of God. And I want to speak to you along those lines for a few moments. So go with me to the book of Matthew chapter uh, 14. Just for a few moments. We're go- I'm going to lay, I believe it's very prophetic and I believe the Lord is revealing something through a couple of stories that, that I just want to unfold as God has given to me as I've been before Him. It's interesting that these stories, it's the story of the feeding of the 5,000 and Peter and the disciples getting in a ship and going to the other side when, when Peter began to walk on the water. It's found, all, all of those stories I believe are found in, in three <coughs> of the four Gospels. Some of them, some of the Gospels are very explicit and the stories, storylines are just almost identical. And so you'll see a few things different in each one or something that was significant that one guy saw that the other one didn't write about. So I just want to tell you, I'm going to be pulling a little bit from a couple different places. But in Matthew chapter 14, it starts out, it starts out with John the Baptist being beheaded. And I've talked, thought about this many times and it gives the reason why John the Baptist was beheaded. He was beheaded because Herod had, had given a command to the daughter of the wife that he had married, that because she pleased him at a party and a dance, that she asked, he said, if you, whatever you ask, I'll give you up to a half of my kingdom. She said, I want the head of John the Baptist. Now Herod had, had an eye on John and wouldn't have had that done. But what troubled her and what ticked, ticked the mother off of this young lady was the fact that John revealed the truth that that Herod had married his brother's wife and it was not lawful under the law, right? And so truth was revealed. It was confronted. And as a result of that, that Herodias, I believe it's how you pronounce her name, Herodias is how you pronounce her name. She was, I'm going to say it like this, she was ticked off to the fact that, that John had revealed the truth. And I believe there's something to that. Remember what John's assignment was before he ever comes. He comes to reveal the Christ. He comes to reveal Messiah. He is the forerunner of Jesus. And what is Jesus going to come and do? Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. And so what was happening Truth was trying to be shut out. It was trying to be stopped before truth would ever confront the whole world. And John now is beheaded and out of the way. And what I see in that is, remember, John is foretelling. But now we're moving from just saying he's coming. We're going to be saying he's here 
and He's moving. Come on. We're going to quit saying it's coming and we're saying it's here and He's moving. That was the whole point of what I wanted to get to, just sharing a little bit of that story. It's over. We're not just going, you know, one day. I am trying to be as, as Pastor, I want to bring this home so we can apply it in our lives every day. I'm so tired of hearing people say, God is fixing to do something. He is doing something. We've got to move from, even when we've got a prophetic word that says He's doing this, then we start acting. Remember, we start aligning ourselves to what God is saying. So the moment that happens, when Jesus heard it, the Bible said He departed, verse 13, He departed from there by boat to a deserted place by Himself. And when the multitudes heard it, they followed Him on foot from the cities. I want to tell you, there is a generation, believe it or not, people in our communities, people in our cities are ready to see Jesus and they're looking for Him. They're not looking for religion. They're not looking for our show. They're not looking for everything that we put on. They just want to see this one that can open the blind eyes and heal, open deaf ears and heal, and make cripples walk. They want to see this one that can set the captive free. It may not look like it. It may not feel like it. But I'm here to declare to us tonight, the multitudes are hungry for the power of God, but they have not seen it, so they don't know where to look. And Jesus is saying, it's time for my church to start acting like I am and demonstrate my power in the earth. Right now, every one of us. And when Jesus went out, He saw a great multitude. This is no small thing. I believe the date's coming. I really do. When I say it, I know I'm probably, but it's here. I'm not way off there. You better get ready or you're not going to have seat. And I don't think just in Christ church, but I believe everywhere because I believe it. I'm believing God for a move of God. His move right now to be so great that we'll have to rent the show me center because there just will not be enough seats. And that is along with all the other churches being filled. There was a great multitude and He was moved with compassion for them. And notice what the Word said. He healed their sick. Okay, church. Time for us to heal their sick. Hear what I said? It's time for us to heal their sick, not just re rely upon the healing room. Hello. Not just to rely on one or two people or we're going to wait for Steve Sampson to come in and Valtrice and Mitch Clay to come in and move in the gifts and we have people here. No, it's time for you and I to heal their sick. Hello, you know what that means? You got to do, you got to go into action. See, I believe everything that's going on right now in the world is nothing but a big, it's a big front, it's a distraction. I'm not saying it's not real, but it's a distraction to the people of God to keep us so consumed with what the world's doing that we will not lay hold of what God is doing. And God is doing far more than what they're doing in the White House, far more than what COVID is doing, far more than what the world, God's moving. Church, I, we might be in the last day. We might be at the end of the last time, but my Bible says this. He's not willing that one will perish, but long-suffering to us that believe. To us that believe. 
Wait a minute, you hear that verse? He's long-suffering to us that believe. You know how big this harvest is going to be? It's determined by us. He's already determined it. But if you and I believe it's just a small few, you know, just a handful of it's going to make heaven, that's all it's ever going to be. But if you and I can believe for multitudes, if we can believe for masses, can a nation be born in a day? Yes. Can churches fill up overnight? Yes. Yes, they can. Rob, you didn't get that place out there just to race cars. Rob's got a place out there to see four or 5,000 people. We might as well plan on having church out there and filling it up. Come on. Oh, Pastor, you're dreaming. I'm dreaming because I just, he said he, the multitudes were looking for him. And Jesus didn't even have a, he didn't have a, what do you call it, a, a, a public relations, what do you call that where they go? He didn't have a Facebook page or a my face or whatever face. He, the only thing he just went about and demonstrated. And people heard what God was doing. But when it was evening, his disciples came to him and said, this is a deserted place. In other words, there wasn't anything there. It just there was nothing around it. It was just open. There was nothing. There was nothing to really sustain them. But they've been there with Jesus. One of the gospels said they were there from morning to evening. And sitting in the heat. Sitting in the whatever it would be like in that place at the moment. Listening to Jesus. And, and the hour is already late. And one of the disciples said, send the multitudes away. That they may go into the village and buy themselves food. May I tell you right now, this is the story of the feeding of the 5,000. But this feeding was not because they didn't have money and because they were hungry. Jesus was demonstrating something far greater. So the disciples said, Master, the hour is late. Let's get, let them go. Let them go. Let them get something to eat. Let them go. Jesus said in one of the other Gospels, He said, if you send them away, they'll be weary now because they've been with me all day. And then He turns to them and He said, you feed them. You feed them. And Philip speaks up and says, Lord, do you know what we got in the treasury? And do you know how much it's going to cost? Philip's name means warrior. So here Philip in his flesh, is warring with Jesus over what Jesus said Philip could do. He said, you take care of it. Don't send them away. We don't have a clue other than there's 5,000 plus all their families, so that's a whole lot of people. Whether it's 5,000 or 50,000, it's still a lot of people to feed. But he said, you can do it. I'm here to tell you tonight, church, that God is saying we can do it. But in our flesh, we're warring with Him. It was Philip that said, Lord, if you'll show me the Father, we'll believe. And Jesus speaks to him and said, if you've seen me, you've seen my Father. It's time we quit wrestling and warring with the Spirit of God and just yield to it. Say, God, I don't know how this is going to happen, but just do it. I I don't know how. God, I know what I got, but I don't know how this is going to happen. Let's make it happen. And Jesus went on to say, He said, He said to them, as they sent him away, Jesus said to them, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat as though they already had it. You give it to them. And they said unto him, Master, 
One went through the crowd. His name was Andrew. I believe Luke's gospel speaks that it was Andrew. And Andrew's name means manliness. And Andrew, he's the brother of Simon, Peter. And he speaks up and he says, Hey, there's a little lad that's got five loaves and a couple of fish. And Jesus said, bring it to me. Now I want to remind you again, this is not about a hungry group of people. This is not about feeding the poor. Although it could find its way into feeding the poor when Jesus was doing this. He was saying something greater. He said, you're trying to send them away to go buy food that will not sustain them. But I have something to give them that will give them life forever and give them life abundantly. And and Andrew speaks up and said, Lord, there's a little lad that's got a couple. He's got five loaves and he's got a couple of fish. And Jesus said, bring them to me. I'm thinking, "Okay, God, what's so significant about the five loaves and the two fish? I couldn't, I just kept, that's just been ringing in me today as I was asking the Lord about it. God, what is the significance of the five loaves? Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. The number five is the number of grace. It's the number of grace. The Bible tells us in the book of John chapter 1. Can you put that up on the screen for me? John chapter 1 and verse 14. It says says this from John's gospel. And the Word became flesh. And dwelt among us. And we beheld the glory. The glory of the only begotten of the Father. Listen to what it says. Full of grace and truth. So what is Jesus saying? I'm going to release. Jesus was actually talking about himself. I'm the bread of life. And I'm releasing my grace. And what is significant about the flesh? Or about the fish? The fish is representing flesh. He said, I too is the number of witness. He said, I need a witness in the earth. It is also a verification of facts by a witness. So this is what the fish represented. They represented the the witness of the grace of God. And God has put that in the flesh of every one of us. Paul said it like this in Ephesians chapter 2. For we are saved by grace, and that not of ourselves. But we are saved by faith through grace and that not of ourselves. For it is the gift of God. We carry the grace of the Lord. I just need somebody. I need somebody that will witness my grace. I want to tell you, I don't know if you have a testimony that you as an axe murderer, you were a thug, a drug dealer, you were addicted on everything under the sun, or you're like me, you grew up in the church. That's all I've ever known. I cut my teeth on the gum on the pews of the uh, of the church. While we had Maverick the other day, uh, he was with us at several different places. I don't know why they put high chairs at table level, and you know he's trying to gum everything. He'd put his mouth on the table. We'd have to say, Maverick, don't do that. They'd call his hand on that every time. I grew up like that at the church, sleeping under the pew, sleeping on the pew. It's all I've ever known. But I got news for you. It was the same grace that saved me was the same grace that saved you. I don't care how bad you were. You didn't need a greater grace than I had. There's not a person in here that didn't could that didn't need the grace of God. But every one of us in here that say we're born again, you have received of His glory and of His grace. And all He says, I need you to do is be a witness of me right now. 
You be a verification of my grace. So he said, bring it to me. Bring it to me. And the moment he brought it, this is what he did. He put it in his hands. Five loaves, two fish. He lifted it up to heavens and said, Father, I thank you. He blessed it and he broke it and gave the loaves to to his disciples. I believe he was mimicking something that was to come. That would be the last words that he would say upon the cross. As he was suspended between heaven and earth. And some of the last words out of his mouth were this. Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. Who are the hands of the Lord? I don't think he was talking about the hands of heaven. I believe he was talking about the hands like this. My hand, your hand, into our hands. He said, I am commending my spirit so now you and I can go into the earth. Then he said, he put it back into the hands of his disciples and said, go feed them. So we said Jesus fed the multitude. So who really fed them? The disciples did. How do you feed a multitude? How do you feed a multitude? Just like you eat an elephant. One bite at a time. You eat an apple the same way. You'll eat a burger the same. It doesn't matter how big. It's still one bite at a time. And that's all that God is asking us to do. He had the crowd sit down in, in different ranks. And I got an idea. Those guys were as nervous as a cat. They were as nervous. Lord, do you know what you put in my hand and you gave me the row of the hundred? I think I'd be looking for the group of the fifty over here. At least it don't near as big as that hundred group. But it began to happen like this, that Peter walks up and he says, take a piece of bread. The moment they pulled a piece of bread off and they took a piece of fish, they looked back down and there was nothing missing. He goes to the next one, Micah. Said, you want some fish? And he pulled to the measure that he wanted. He got the fish to the measure that he desired. Look back down, Dennis. And it's still, there's nothing missing. You see, sometimes it's just an act of faith. You don't feel that you got a sufficiency to feel. But God said, what I put in your hand is more than enough. What I put in your hand will never run out. I just need you to give it out. I need you to go and feed they fed the multitudes until the whole place was fed and they took up 12 baskets full of leftovers or of fragments I believe the baskets everybody said well you know it was a basket for each disciple I don't think it had to do anything with that at all I think Jesus was saying I'm gathering my harvest I believe that's how they were doing it. Because how would they gather a harvest? They would gather it and put it in baskets and they would bring it. And I believe that's what was happening, uh, Miss Pam, as they were going through and feeding and the leftovers were coming. They were bringing baskets full. The harvest was being gathered. He's just looking for somebody to be a witness of His grace. You don't have to be a bitty hen. I'm going to say you don't have to be a vow trees. You don't have to be a Mitch Clay, a Steve Sam. Samson, a Zach Strong. You don't have to be anybody but who you are. But God is put in your hands and all He's wanting you to do is release the grace and the truth that I put in you. Witness to what God has done for you. I'm telling you, church, we've talked negative long enough. We've talked about what the world has done long enough. It's time for us to talk about Jesus. Well, pastor, I don't have a miracle to tell about. You, don't, you are the miracle. 
You're the miracle. I'm saved by grace. Some of you need to stir your story back up. Dust it off. Get it out of the closet. Get it blown off. Renew it. Refresh yourself. Remember what Jesus did for you. And just, I don't care if it's one time that Jesus healed you. Every conversation goes to COVID right now. I don't care where I'm at. We're not there five minutes. COVID. Man, that's, it should not be. I'm, I'm guilty. But it should not be that it's being our conversation. It's what Jesus is doing should be our conversation. He's greater than that. He's bigger than that. He's greater than what is happening in the economy. He's great. I know God is able. Anybody but here ever seen the provision of God brought to you? Anybody here ever been healed here but me? Come on, I've been healed. From a boy, I've seen things that I know only God could have done. I remember I had one of my first revivals. I know I've told it's been a long time ago. I only got three stories. I've tell them different every time. One of my first revivals was a little bitty Indian from India. John George. He moved in the power of God. This young man didn't know how to play, but he could play a keyboard like you wouldn't imagine. He's in a meeting one night carrying the Spirit of the Lord. He said, go to the keys. And God supernaturally gifted him. And he began to play the keys like he was a concert pianist. And when he would play, the power of God would hit the place. And miracles would take place. This young man, I mean, he wasn't bigger than a fly. could just about blow him over. I mean, he wasn't very big at all. But the power of God would work. He would tell me about the stories of India. He said they'd bring the demonized and he said they'd just line them up on the front pews while he's preaching. He said they'd start acting up. He said, stop! And he said immediately they couldn't move. They couldn't do a thing until he was ready for them to be set free or Jesus gave him the command to release them. Then he said that every one of them would be absolutely set free. We had that meeting. People were being healed and there was a blind lady that come in that I knew from the time I was a little boy. She came into that meeting that night and I hadn't seen her for years. I was a little boy, grew up in the neighborhood with her, out in the country. And she came in, I said, Miss Wainick, it's so good to see you. She was blind, she couldn't see. Somebody had to lead her in. I saw her while the altar call was given. I saw her move, trying to move around. I went back to her and I said, Miss Wainick, can I help you? She said, I need to go to the restroom. And our restrooms were downstairs in the back of the church. So I assisted her down the steps and got one of the ladies to assist her from there. And I waited at the steps for her, you know, to take her back up. And I said to her when we were on the way up, I said, Miss Wainick, I want you to go up and have Brother George pray for your eyes. And immediately the Lord said, why don't you do it? Why don't you do it? And right there on that staircase, I put my hands on her and I commanded. I didn't know, you know, I'd never prayed for anybody like that, I don't think. But I put my hands on her and I commanded her eyes to be restored. And the next night she came in without assistance. Come on, somebody. She walked in the place and now was reading again. I'm telling you, God is just looking for a vessel. Remember a lad. A little lad had 
No, no big name was given to him. All these guys that were walking with Jesus, Philip is warring with him. Master, do you know what it's going to cost? Do you know this? See, that's the way we're, I don't feel like I got what I need. I don't feel we got enough. I don't feel this. Listen, the word of the Lord, I've heard it two or three times is, you cannot trust your emotions in this moment. you got to go by what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. And this little lad, I believe this is the moment where the, I'm going to say it like this, don't take it wrong, the no name. That nobody's going to recognize your name. Steve said this on the phone the other day. He said there's going to be momentous miracles are taking place in this moment of time. By people you've never heard. You know what a momentous miracle is? It's not one you just pass over. It's not forgotten. It's wrote down in history. I believe we need to be writing another, listen, another story. We need to be writing another book about all that God is doing in our lifetime. Not what He was doing a hundred years ago. I believe there's some new Smith Wigglesworths coming up. I believe there's some Amy Simple McPherson. There's some Maria Woodworth Edders. There's some William Dowies. There's some uh, all these other great men and women of God that once walked the planet. Which one of them was it that the Ebola, what some disease, he had it in his hand and it literally died? Who was John G. Lake? I believe there's some John G. Lakes that are going to handle the power of God like we have never seen before. Just a little lad in the crowd. Just a little lad. Notice, the ones that were with him wrestled with him. And the one in the crowd said, Master, I'll give you what you need. Which one are we going to be? Are we going to be the one that's going to wrestle with Jesus? Or are we going to be? i got to close with this story. I told you I was going to do this quick. And after they fed the 5,000 men and women, immediately Jesus said to his disciples, get in the ship, go to the other side. Church, it's time for us to cross over once and for all. we got to make the step over. I don't know about you. I don't know how to do it other than say, God, I, I'm doing it. I'm crossing over. We're stepping over. By faith, we're going over. And Jesus held himself back, the Bible said. But when they got into the middle of the sea, the sea began to be tossed by waves, for the wind was contrary. Now it is the fourth watch of the night, and Jesus went to them walking on the sea. This is in the wee early hours of the morning. And these guys are in the midst of the sea. Some of them seasoned fishermen that hadn't been on that sea before and knew what it was like. And in Luke's gospel, I believe, that gives the greater story of Peter walking. And they're looking. I don't believe they're necessarily looking for Jesus. I believe they're looking for land. That's what I truly believe there happened. But Peter sees Jesus walking on the water. And the reason Peter saw him, because Peter, even though he was messed up, had a passion for Jesus. I'll follow you, Jesus. He had a passion for Jesus. There's a lot of people in our eyes are messed up that's got more passion for Jesus than us that seem to have it all together. Hello. And he looks, and because of his passion for Jesus... Jesus, if that's you, bid me come where you are. He wouldn't say, I don't want to stay on this boat. I want to be out there where you are. I want to go where you go. Church, is that what you and I are willing to do? Do we just want to stay in comfortable church? Are we willing to say, Jesus, I want to be where you are. 
And if you're going to be where Jesus is, you're going to have to start looking for Him beyond where you are. Matter of fact, it may be a good thought for us. If He's not showing up, maybe we're looking in the wrong place. Hello. We might ought to be looking differently. Where are you at, Jesus? That may be all the question that we need to ask. He's walking, and he must have been a distance out. They thought it was a ghost. There was a form out there. Peter said, I know that's Jesus. Hey, Jesus, if that's you, bid me come. And Jesus said, these were the words. He said, I am. In your gospel, in Matthew's gospel, he said, it is I. But the original translation, Jesus would say, I am. That's all you need to know. I am Peter. I am that which you've been looking for. I am that which you've been longing for. He said, bid me come. And Jesus said, you can come where I am. And Peter immediately stepped out of the boat and he began to walk on the water. I believe every man in that boat could have walked on the water that night if they had a passion to see Jesus and a desire to be where he was. But like everything else, Peter gets out in the boat or he gets out in the sea and all of a sudden he's walking and a wave comes up because you know how the waves of the ocean is, the waves of the sea. Jesus is over there, boat's over there. I believe he's somewhere in between Miss Adrian and a wave comes up and all of a sudden he loses sight of Jesus. And all of a sudden Peter begins to sink. And what happened in the midst of the storm, Jesus didn't stop the storm for Peter to walk. He just said, come. Jesus isn't near as concerned about the storm as you and I are. He's not near concerned about what COVID is doing as much as we are. He's not concerned about the world issues that you and I are fearing as much as we are. But in the storm... He's telling us, I want you to come out above it. I want you to walk with me in it. We're going to walk through it. And what Peter gets out, he went out on two things. He saw Jesus and he heard his voice come. That was his confidence to get out. And the moment he got out, but he reached a moment like all of us. The enemy's going to try us to break your confidence. And how does he break it? He didn't do anything but break his focus. There wasn't anything that said he heard anything different. But he broke his focus. He could not see Jesus and he couldn't see the boat. All he could see for a moment was the waves. And his mind began to run. That's why I'm telling you all the stuff that we're involved in, that we're filling ourselves with is a smokescreen to keep our eyes off of what Jesus is doing. And you and I will never walk out. We will never have the confidence to walk out if we don't keep our focus. In what Jesus is doing. And the moment he began to sink, he cried out, Jesus, save me. And Jesus walked over. And again, Jesus didn't stop the storm. He just picked him back up and said, okay, let's go back to the boat. And when he got to the boat, the wind stopped. The sea became still. He said, why did you doubt me? Why did you doubt when you were walking the whole time? Why did you doubt what was going on? But we got to get to the other side. And he went with them to the other side. Because on the other side, and I'm landing the jet right here. When they came, when they got into the boat, the Bible said in verse 32, the wind ceased. But those who were in the boat came and worshipped him saying, truly you are the son of God. And when they crossed over, they came to the land of Gennesaret. 
or actually before he sent them, they were being sent to Bethsaida, which means the house of fish, which means the harvest. And they were being sent to where the harvest was. And when they came to that place in verse 35, when the men of that place recognized him, they sent out into all the surrounding region and brought to him all that were sick and begged them that he would touch them, that they could be made whole. I'm telling you, people are ready to see Jesus. And you and I are the carrier of Jesus. They're ready to see you. The neighborhood is ready to see you. People are ready to see you. I, I found myself recently in a couple situations and I, uh, that, that I've made comments about things, just in general chit-chat, that I've heard others remark later and I'm thinking, it convicted my heart. I said, God, I, I've said the wrong thing. I shouldn't have talked to them about what I was seeing in a negative sense. I should have been revealing to you because the moment I started speaking negative, you know what they were seeing? They started seeing the negative I was seeing. They started seeing the negative when they were there ready to see, ready to be filled. I believe that church. So it's time for us to move. We're moving from that place for us to quit talking and quit saying it's coming. It's time to start demonstrating it. And He's waiting upon you and I. Stand with me tonight. Father, I thank You. I believe tonight, God. I believe You're here and I believe You're moving. And I believe this is the greatest hour for us to be on the planet. And tonight, Father, I stir and I believe this weekend will be an activation time like we have never seen. Father, I just believe a stirring right now is in our hearts that we are going to carry Your grace and glory. Father, we're going to go out and we're going to feed the multitudes. And I thank You that the multitudes are becoming, they're hungry now, and they're going to be drawn to You, Jesus. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus right now that all negativity out of us is going, that we're going to stop the negativity. We're going to stop the, talking about everything that's going on in the world, and we're going to fill our hearts and our mouths with all the things that You are doing, Jesus. I declare that right now, Father, in the name of Jesus. Father, that we will be the loaves and be the fish. That we will feed the multitudes with Your glory and grace every day, everywhere we go, Father. I declare that right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I give You praise. In the name of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Give God a hand, would you?